According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the scriptures. Join me once again, if you would, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, we're looking at uh, really verse 6, two halves of verse 6. Um, and then we're ready to move on to verses 7, 8, and 9, which I think we'll save for next week, but uh, verse 6, two halves, there's an A half and a B half, and uh, I want to make sure that we're solid on both before we proceed. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. And in in both of these cases, I think um, we can approach these verses kind of superficially and then just kind of say, well, duh, right? Like, what kind of idiot wrote this down, right? That, that's, not, that's a problem because God wrote this down, all right? Like in verse 5 when he says, a trustworthy witness will not lie. So if you're truthful, you're going to be truthful. But a false witness utters lies. Oh, really? A liar lies? Is that what they do? So, uh, so we, we kind of look at these verses and, and if all we do is approach them on a superficial basis, then we're not going to get a lot out of them and, and we kind of miss the point of what, of what God says and why He says it and, and maybe the, the larger picture for why He's stressing this. Okay? And uh, I forget who years ago said, if, if, if it goes without saying, then maybe you ought to say it more often. Okay? If it goes without saying, then probably it gets forgotten, it gets, it gets neglected, it gets overlooked. And uh, you say it more often so that it can go without saying the next time. <laughs> and uh, we can reinforce it here. So anyway, that's where we are. Before we get started, let's take a moment for silent prayer to assure that we are filled with the Spirit, that we are humble under the authority of the Word of God. Shall we pray? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before you this morning thankful for your truth. Thankful, Father, for the privilege that it is for us to assemble together. We are entering into your courts. And who are we, Father, that we should uh, be brought into your counsel, that you should explain to us your thinking. And yet here we are, Father, and you freely give us all things in Christ. I thank you for the, the position that we have in Christ. We don't stand before you in our own merit. We stand before you uh, in Christ. And uh, Father, you look upon us. You don't see the sinner. You see your beloved Son. And in all these things, Father, it is it is the grace of God that makes these things possible. So Father, this morning once again, in your grace, we're here to study to show ourselves approved, workmen needing not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Bless this study today, Father, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so in the outline then, if we zip ahead to the different points, point one, A, B, and C, point two, with an A and a B. Remember, hard work is messy. <laughs> if you want a clean beer, if you want a clean barn, don't put an ox in there. Okay, as soon as you put that first animal in there, you just ruined your clean barn. But but that's the point. The point is, yes, it's messy, but that's necessary to get the work done. And you know, God's willing to get messy to get the work done. Jesus is willing to suffer to get the work done. And and in serving the plan of God, yes, there's hardship, there's pain, there's dirt, there's suffering, there's there's mess. But that's what it, that's what it takes to get the work done. And uh, I think there's a lot of principles there that we uh, do well to, to, uh, to dwell on. 
Uh, point three, beyond the generic truthful person and the generic liar, Proverbs 14.5 is illustrative of the entire Bible. That contrast between the truth and the lie. God is truth. The Father is truth. The Son is true. His name is faithful and true. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And so you get all three members of Trinity that all have truth attached to their name, attached to their being. And then on the other side, what do we have? We have the liar and the father of lies. And so we have this, um, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit versus the liar and the father of lies. And that's what we deal with in um, the angelic conflict, in the, the message of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It's a big uh, picture idea for the entire Bible. But now with points four and five, we uh, we lock in on verse six here. And with respect to what does it take to comprehend doctrine? What does it take to apprehend the Word of God? And uh, in the first part of verse 6 we, we recognize that uh, they're not going to get there. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. And uh, he can seek all he wants but he's not suited to take in the Word of God. Natural mindedness and carnal mindedness, these are hindrances to apprehending God's wisdom. And that might be a high IQ. They might be, I know guys that are, that are PhD mathematicians, smart as anything, five times smarter than I'll ever be. And yet they cannot grasp the truth of the Word of God because they are naturally minded. And the, the, uh, the wisdom is going to escape them every time. And every time, and they may want it, they may strive for it. I think this passage and other passages addresses a yearning, it addresses a, a desire for something they can't have. Okay? They may want it and all they're going to get is Satan's version of it. They're going to get the world's counterfeit of God's wisdom. And the wisdom from below is earthly, natural, demonic. The wisdom from below is going to be suitable for, that, for their fallen nature. And so uh, if they're reaching for God's wisdom, this is what they're going to find. So natural mindedness and carnal mindedness are hindrances to apprehending God's wisdom. And we spent uh, quite a bit of time last week detailing this in 1 Corinthians 2, taking you all the way through 1 Corinthians 3. So the last part of chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3 is the contrast that deals with that. And uh, so I hope we're solid. I hope we're good on that. If there's any questions, I want to know about it because I want to make sure that my flock gets this. <laughs> okay. And so first of all, if you're saved then that's, that's the issue there in chapter 2. You have a living human spirit. You're not simply a soulish man, right? A soulish person. The unbeliever, that's all he's got is the soul. He is a soul in a body. He does not have a living human spirit. But when you become born again, when you become saved, that human spirit is made alive. It's, it, the Bible says it's quickened. It's made alive. And so now with a living human spirit, you are spiritual. If you're not saved, you're not spiritual. If you're saved, you're spiritual. See, that's the difference. The natural man, the spiritual man. He who is spiritual. You have a living human spirit, right? Then, now that you're saved, now there's another obstacle. That's not natural mindedness, it's carnal mindedness. So now you can throw uh, another roadblock into the picture. You can't lose your salvation, but and you're still spiritual, by the way. All right. Even when you're carnal, you still have a living human spirit. You're not natural. You don't lose your, your human spirit. You do quench it. You do dampen it. You do Your carnality will put an obstacle in there, but it doesn't change what it is. You are still spiritually alive. 
even if you are operationally dead, even if you are carnal at the time. Are we clear on that? All right. And so um, depending on how you're using the word and depending on its usage, um, sometimes I think there's that, well, we wrote the book, Spirituality Versus Carnality, right? And, and based on that title, you can start to think of, well, if I'm carnal, then I'm not spiritual anymore, right? Well, yes and no. You, are, you, are still, you still have a living human spirit, but you are carnal, okay? And so that's, that's the reality. And, and on that basis then, because you still have a living human spirit, even when you are carnal, you still have a living human spirit, so you are able to, to drink at the milk, right? As it says there in 1 Corinthians 3, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. You are spiritual, I just couldn't speak to you on that spiritual basis because of this carnality. I gave you milk to drink. And see, carnality can drink milk. They can't take meat, right? They can't take meat. The natural man can't have milk or meat. The natural man is an unbeliever, can't handle any kind of doctrine. But the, the, the spiritual man, even in carnality, can still siphon milk through that carnality. And it may need to, to bring him to repentance, to wake him up, to, you know, for that little Bible verse to click with him to say, you know what, I need to confess. I need to get back in fellowship. This is the, this is the milk doctrine that's, that's waking me up to my carnality. Anyway. So I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you're not yet able. You know, prolonging your carnality doesn't help matters, for you are still carnal or fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? So the carnal believer is like an unbeliever, practically speaking, in how they conduct themselves and how they walk and how they operate. And so even though they are not able to apprehend God's wisdom, the natural man not at all, and the carnal man only on a very limited basis, the scoffer still has an impulse to search for it. The unbeliever still has an impulse to search for it. The carnal believer still has an impulse to search for it. And it's, it's curious to me, why? Is that built in? Is that, a, is that a function of soul? What is that? Is that is that an, an aspect of being in the image of God whereby a human being has a, has a hunger, has a yearn, has a, a desire to seek it? Why do they seek? A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. Well, why, why seek? Okay? And uh, we ask ourselves that. And so we have these, these passages here. I think Genesis 3 and verse 6. The woman saw the tree. It was desirable to make one wise. There is a desire there, a desire for wisdom. And such, so, so strong is that desire that she is considering defying God in order to gratify that desire, right? So it's desirable to make one wise, and the price to pay is disobedience, okay? The price to pay is death, maybe, because the snake said, I'm not going to die. Well, hmm, <laughs> okay? And so she's balancing these ideas out, and she has a desire to make one wise, and the desire to make one wise is strong enough that she does it, that she's willing to disobey God and take a chance that God's the liar and the snake is telling truth. Okay, 
That's the strength of that desire to make one wise. In Job 28, where can wisdom be found? And it's described with the hard work it takes to get there, the hard work it takes to, to mine gold and to obtain natural resources. Matthew eleven twenty five, another passage speaking of this desire. I forgot what this one says. Matthew eleven twenty five. <clears throat> At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and you have revealed them to infants. And so, you know, here's, a, here's wise and intelligent. Well, what kind of wisdom do they have? Because they don't have what Jesus is teaching. They don't have God's wisdom. The babe has availability to receive what, God's, what Jesus is teaching him. And this is going to come to our next point, to the second half of verse 6, where doctrine is easy. The Word of God is easy if you have humility, if you have the fear of the Lord. If you, if you are on board with God's method for acquiring wisdom, then it, it's, it's easy peasy. There's nothing better. I mean, it's, it's just a, a, a marvelous plan the Father's put into effect. A baby can digest it. And here's the, uh, the wise and the intelligent, and yet the Father hides these things. <clears throat> All right. And yet there still seems to be an impulse, a yearning to obtain it. Romans 1, verses 21 and 22. Okay, what's Romans 1? Romans 1's a fun chapter, right? <laughs> Romans 1 is uh, it's a catalog of carnality. It's a catalog of sin. It's a, it's a compendium of, of, of ugliness, okay? I mean, it is the delineation of immoral depravity. And in the description of these things, and uh, it's no better, no worse than chapter two, which is the compendium of moral depravity and uh, religious depravity. Both groups are equally depraved and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why you get that in chapter three. So in Romans one, we have this listing of, of darkness. And even in the midst of this, though, it's curious to me um, Verse 18 says, the wrath of God is presently, present tense, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And so right away you're starting to think, okay, murder, adultery, fornication, all this bad stuff, homosexuals, all those ugly sinning sinning kind of people. But it starts with men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. (laughs) Okay. Let's start there. Let's start with exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Let's start with suppressing the truth because everything else flows from that. Because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. So there's something internal. There's something internal whereby humanity has capacity to observe the evident. Okay? Or at least to look at it to either submit to it, to accept it, to respond. There is, uh, there is the capacity to respond to, uh, to the stimulus. And the stimulus here is knowledge, and God and, and makes it evident. That which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. The nature of God's existence. We're talking about God consciousness at this point. We're talking about uh, God's existence and how we're created, what's within us that is capable to observe. It is evident. God makes it evident. 
For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So a human being in the image of God is able to look at something else that God has created and it, it is evident. We hold these truths to be self-evident, right? That it is properly accepted by anyone <coughs> and ought not be debated. Um, verse 21 then, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile. They became this is the vanity aspect from Ecclesiastes. They became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. But still, there is human... Think about speculations there. Creativity, imagination, pondering, wondering, thinking about, imagining, daydreaming. Okay, The mind can go a thousand places. You know, And why? What is this human capacity we have to just in our thinking, just envision something, think about something, wonder about something, ponder something, wish we had something, desire something. And uh, the problem is, if we're not in the fear of the Lord, if we're not humble before God, if we're not oriented properly, then this is where we go. This is what happens when you don't have the fear of the Lord. So you become futile in your speculations and the foolish heart is darkened professing to be wise, they became fools. In spite of all that darkness, they'll look you in the eye and tell you they have all the answers. <laughs> they will be absolutely confident that they know everything and you're the moron. You're the dummy that believes creation and the Bible and whatever. They're the geniuses that know the science of evolution and Big Bang and, and all this stuff. Okay, They're the, they're the enlightened wise, smart, cultured, brilliant people that will tell you that uh, you know, you're not born with the sex you're born with. Okay? And you might choose something different later on. I mean, because hey, this is their science. This is their knowledge. This is their wisdom. This is their foolishness in God's eyes. So professing to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God. And here's the substitute. Anything you're going to substitute for God, what are you doing? For an image, a replica, a facsimile, a pale counterfeit, an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now when you make that exchange, look out. Because God gives them over. And that's what we see here. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their heart. And in the process of this, there's, there's a progression, there's sequences of giving over here. God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And, you know, you look at this and you say, really? You look at things that people do and Really? You know, because spiritually minded people wouldn't do something like that. It just, that would be dishonoring. That would be dark. That would be, really? And, uh, and yet they've got no shame about how they dishonor their body because they've already dishonored their soul. They've already darkened their soul. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature 
rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this reason god gave them over here's the second gave them over to degrading passions and women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural in the same way men also abandon the natural function of the woman burned in their desire toward one another so this, this is where it all goes, okay? And it goes downhill and it gets ugly, but it, where does it start? Exchanging the truth of God for a lie. It starts with uh, you don't have the fear of the Lord and uh, you're suppressing what you should know otherwise. All right. Professing to, uh, to be wise. Why? Why profess to be wise? What impulse is there that's seeking wisdom? What, uh, what, what drives that? Why do you even care to be wise? 1 Corinthians 3, verses 18 through 20, which we were just there, right? 1 Corinthians 3 was later in the chapter, so we have not covered these verses yet. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he can become truly wise, okay? Wise in God's estimation. And um, this is a a how-to lesson even, right? We taught this as a doctrinal study years ago called How to Become Foolish, okay? That's kind of a fun title. And uh, you can invite people, hey, come to church. We're having How to Become Foolish lessons, okay? And and it's it's come, it stems from this passage. It stems from this... uh, this, this, contrast okay that in order to become wise you have to become foolish and in clearly what we're distinguishing is divine viewpoint human viewpoint the way god considers things the way the world considers things and uh, and uh, and and if you get those mixed up or confused or if you pretend that they're that one of them's not there then you're lying to yourself you're deceiving yourself so let no man deceive himself if any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age Okay, and that's why we've got a, all the warnings in Scripture not to be conformed to this age. And if you are wise in this age, how conformed are you? How conformed do you got to be to reach a level of wisdom in this age? Okay, the Bible would rather have us be ignorant in this age, be fools in this age. Um, would rather just have us be, you know, we want to be innocent as doves, shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves. And if there's a wisdom of this age, I don't want a part of that. And if that means I'm a dummy, if that means I'm a fool, uh, whatever, okay, I'm great. It doesn't bother me because I want to fear the Lord and I want His kind of wisdom. So He must become foolish so that He may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. So we've got age and we've got world. They're linked there, verses 18, verse 19. The wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. So if you're up there in the upper tier of this world's wisdom, that's not good, okay? That means you're conformed. That means you're saturated with it. That means that that's shaping who you are, shaping your attitude, shaping your thinking. And, and sadly, I think <clears throat> there's believers that should know better that try to have both. They want to be sitting on the fence with a, a foot in both worlds. I don't want any of that on the one side. Put me totally on God's side of, uh, of His wisdom. So it's foolishness before God. It is written, He is the one who catches 
the wise in their craftiness. Yeah, you can be too crafty, you know. <laughs> and then you get caught in your craftiness. God loves to show the crafty for the, the idiocy that it is. Because it's just nothing compared to God. So, and again, God, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a trap. It's a thought process. It's enslaving. You go from A to B to C to D and this whole network, this whole system of thinking, the logical reasonings of the wise. And it, maybe it is, you know, internally consistent and they can, they can put all these things together, these formulas and these conclusions and whatever, whatever. But any logical process is flawed from the get-go if premise A is not true. Toss the whole thing out. See, anyway, the reasonings of the wise that they're useless. So we have the, uh, the contrast there. Now that's natural-mindedness. That's this world. That's no fear of the Lord. That's pride, that's arrogance, that's following the liar, that's everything Satan would have for us to do. On the flip side, how about truth? Truth is easy. Okay? Truth is easy. Truth is simple. Truth is a father explaining things to his son, and the son that loves his father is humble before his father and accepts what the father says. God provides an easy path to knowledge for those rightly adjusted to him. To those rightly adjusted to him. Okay? If you're saved, if you're in fellowship, if you're humble, it's with humility you receive the word implanted that's able to save your souls. And so we start every Bible class with that silent prayer. It's your opportunity to confess your sins, to be in fellowship, and to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Then it's easy. Then you just absorb, you soak it up, say, Father, feed me. What am I eating today? Okay, what am I eating today? And it's easy. Okay, it's like taking a little spoon and dipping it in the, the baby food and the Gerber or whatever, and you're sticking it in the kid's mouth and he's, you know, smacking it down and whatever. Okay? God's feeding us. And be thankful for what He's feeding us. All right. So back to Proverbs 14. This is now the other half. Knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. Knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. And, and those are two different terms. Knowledge is a different term from understanding. And, and Proverbs uses a spectrum of expressions for knowledge, for wisdom, for understanding, for insight. All right, and uh, we've we've tried to be to clear on on these. We've tried to be clear. Um, I think sometimes it resists formulas. We try to put them in a sequence that this plus this equals this, and then this plus this equals this. And and Proverbs doesn't lend itself easily to that. Okay, and so if if you put a schematic like fear of the Lord leads to wisdom, leads to understanding, leads to easy knowledge or insight, um, you can do that. I just did that on this slide, <laughs> okay? Feel free to do that, but realize you might encounter other passages in Proverbs that maybe have them in a different order, that maybe would put understanding first and then wisdom, or that might put insight first and then knowledge, okay? So don't be, I'm trying to get us to be more relaxed about the way Proverbs was written and it's not written with a kind of a technical precision that, uh, that we might want or a formulaic kind of 
construction uh, that Greek or the New Testament might produce. Okay, are we clear on that? So if if they come in different orders in different passages of Proverbs, that's fine. Relax about that and uh, take it from there. So uh, the scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. What do we mean about easy knowledge? What do we talk about with easy knowledge? I'm, I think easy knowledge is, is a synonym. I think it's, it's, it's interchangeable with a concept called insight. All right, where somebody that has insight, somebody that's very intuitive or perceptive, um, in other words, they can grasp, grasp something readily with an insight, with, a, with an easy knowledge kind of thing. And so what produces that? Where does that come from? Where does that come from? Well, here in this verse, understanding is the immediate step prior. Uh, Knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. So if I have understanding, if I have, uh, this is bean, right? Or tabuna or the the Hebrew, I like the Hebrew bean because it reminds me of Tilford bean. But if I have bean, if I have tabuna, if I have this understanding, then knowledge will be easy, okay? then um, I'm just going to grasp it. I'm just going to click. It's just going to, you know, you can give me a, a thing. I'm just going to latch on to it. And, oh, yeah, I got that. Oh, yeah, I got that. And then I'm going to take these things. I'm going to put them together. Why? Because I have understanding. And why do I have understanding? Because I'm, I have God's wisdom. And why do I have God's wisdom? Because I have the fear of the Lord. And over a lifetime, over a long period of time, this is now consistently descriptive of, of, of my life of how I live, right? And so it brings you to this point. It brings you to, I mean, it's clear. <laughs> Our guest speaker last Sunday, or two Sundays ago, what, I'm missing this already. He stands up and he recites Second Timothy, all four chapters, okay? It's clear. Hey, you know what? This is a guy that spends time in the Word of God. <laughs> this is a guy that saturates himself with Scripture, over and over consistently long term memorizing hiding it in his heart okay that's clear other people i can meet and it's pretty clear man you're not you're on the bible very often are you <laughs> okay uh i'm trying to talk to you about some spiritual things and it's like uh you're not comfortable with uh with this okay you you didn't even even heard of isaiah okay you're not you kind of a you kind of a fish out of water here when i'm talking about a bible issue Anyway, that's the chain. And uh, this is not the uh, first time, clearly. We can look at, go back to chapter 1. We realize the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 1.7, Proverbs 9.10, Job 28.28. 28. You've got to start with the fear of the Lord. You've got to be rightly adjusted. Uh, so, remember this? This is the purpose clause for the book. Why were these collected? The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Why is this collection given to the Jewish people? Well, it's to know wisdom and instruction. It's to discern the sayings of understanding. It's to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. It's to give prudence to the naive. It's to give to the youth knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. That's the same understanding, by the way, we have today in 
14.6. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So man, this is good stuff. I want, I want this book. I want, I want the benefits of everything described right there. That's why Proverbs has been placed in the canon of Scripture. But here's how you start. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay? If there's, uh, I mean, it just comes down to that attitude. If there's, uh, if there's any kind of mental attitude sin against the Lord, if there's any kind of uh, arrogance against God, or even a human being, you, we can very quickly get jaded. We can very quickly have an attitude against a person. And then we've lost all teachability from that person. What's that idiot? What's that moron know? What's he going to teach me? Okay, this loser. Why am I, I going to listen to anything he has to say? And because I have this attitude against this person, this fool, this knucklehead, this, you know, I, I'm just, all I can do is call him names and dismiss him and mock him. And, and uh, am, I, am I teachable? Am I going to listen to anything that guy has to say? Not, not one thing. Are you kidding me? Same thing with the Lord. Same thing with the Lord. If you're a big know-it-all, well, then what are you going to teach me? I know more than you. I know better than you. God says this, well, pff, I don't want to do that. I know better than God. Here's what I want to do. And so in my carnality, in my sin, you know, any human being that elevates their view of things above God's view of things, they're not teachable. First, they've got to be teachable. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's what it starts, the fear of the Lord. And that's why a child is sometimes miles ahead of an adult. That the child, with the, the humility of a child, with the teachability of a child, with the hunger of a child, is going to grow by leaps and bounds. They don't have the arrogance, they don't have the baggage, they don't have the, the other issues that, that are keeping them from taking in truth. All right. Um, over to chapter 9 and verse 10. So from the first chapter to the last chapter here of the parental wisdom portion of the book, chapter 9 and verse 10. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, even back up to verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. See, the, the neat thing about his wisdom is he recognizes he doesn't know it all. He has wisdom. He is a wise man, but he's still humble to learn more. So give instruction to a wise man. He'll be still wiser. He's excited about that. Teach a righteous man. He will increase his learning. Absolutely. I think because, again, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He's never left that fear. He's never left that humility. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, the best thing you can do if, if you find that you're having some struggles on understanding a text, understanding a doctrine, understanding a, a concept, a thing, well, all right, let it rest for a little bit. Try focusing on God Himself. Knowledge of the Holy One. Get to know God better. Get to know Him better. Okay, The better you know Him, the easier it's going to be to know what He's saying. 
to understand what he's saying, to for a thing that he's talking about. Okay? And it's the same in the human realm, right? If you know the person, the better you know them, the better you're able to understand what they're saying. And if you don't know them so well, then you might misunderstand what they're saying because you just don't know them. And so they're telling you something and you think, you think, wow, I had no idea. And then later on you learned that, well, they were just joking. Okay? And you probably would have picked up on that if you would have known them better. But the fact that you didn't know them so well, you totally misunderstood what they were saying. And they were joking and you didn't even pick up on the fact that they were joking because you didn't know them that well. And, uh, and you thought, well, who would joke over something like that? Anyway, nobody jokes over stuff like that. Okay, well, he does. <laughs> and if you would have known him, you would have known he was joking over something like that. So anyway, when it says here, knowledge of the Holy One, that's knowing God. That's knowing Him. And the better we know Him then, the better we are suited for understanding. Remember, acquire wisdom with your getting, get understanding. How about, uh, let's see, there's more here. For by me, your days will be multiplied, the years of your life will be added to you. If you're wise, you're wise. Well, yeah, there's, there's more there. We'll let that go. All right. Over to uh, Job, Job 28, 28. Job 28, 28. There's so many parallels. And I think, you know, Solomon was already wise before he asked God for wisdom. When Solomon was a youth, David told him that he was a wise man. So David and Bathsheba instilled wisdom into Solomon. What did they use? I think Job was their textbook. You think? I mean, what was the wisdom literature of the day when Proverbs hadn't been written yet? And, uh, you know, there were a lot of Psalms that had been written. Wisdom literature there, but the book of Job could have been uh, Solomon's textbook or what David and Bathsheba would have been using with uh, with uh, Solomon to teach him wisdom. In any event, twenty-eight, twenty-eight, Job twenty-eight, twenty-eight says, uh, "And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom; to depart from evil is understanding." So we have this link: fear of the Lord, wisdom, understanding. And Proverbs uh, fourteen six tells us leads to easy knowledge. Knowledge is easy to the man who has understanding. Okay? But all of this means that we have to be humble before God, that we are properly oriented to God, that we, we humble ourselves before Him and say, look, you are the potter, I am the clay. <laughs> I'm the creature, you're the creator. This is uh, the whole, um, this is what we were a week ago dealing with, weren't we? Yeah, verses 12 and following, a week ago looking at where can wisdom be found? Can we, can we find this ourselves? Can we do this with industry? Can we do this without God revealing it to us? Where can wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? Remember this in verse 12? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. Okay? There are some things that can be explored through science and experimentation and logic and reasoning, and there's stuff that you can never get that way. Things which eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. These are things that God Himself has to reveal. And we've got to be humble in the fear of the Lord to receive it. And so that's not found in the land of the living. The deep says it's not in me, and the sea says it's not in me. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed as its price. And uh, even the these other things that are mentioned here, Ophir and 
onyx and gold and all this. You even get down to, to uh, angels. When you get to uh, verse 20, where then does wisdom come from? Where is the place of understanding? Once you've exhausted this physical dimension, this physical universe, where can you go next? Well, how about Abaddon and death? <laughs> Abaddon and death say, with our ears we have heard a report of it. Okay? No, it doesn't come from Abaddon or death either. It comes from God. And uh, the issue is there. Okay? Proverbs 4, verses 5 and 7. So I think there is a progression. You can chart it in different ways. You can diagram it in different ways. Proverbs 4, verses 5 and 7. All right, again, and this is still uh, in the parental wisdom portion. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. This takes work. Just, and it's going to get easy. Proverbs 14 says it gets easy, but what do we have to do to get to that point where it comes easy? So we have to hear. We have to give attention. For I give, um, and we, don't have, we can't abandon it. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother. Start young. Start early. As early as you can. Then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. So we're, we're saturating our children with the Word of God. At the same time we're teaching them how to tie their shoes. How we're teaching them how to we're potty training them. We're teaching them how to brush their teeth. We're teaching them how to make their bed and pick up their toys. We're teaching them all the things you teach a little kid in secular life, temporal life. Start there. Teach them the Word of God. Teach them about the Creator. Teach them about truth. So keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. And so there's a process. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. With your wisdom, get understanding. Don't just stop with, with facts. Don't just stop with information. Make it applicable in your life and then understand the, the, the fullness of it. Understand what, what God expects of us. What is, the, what is the big picture in this? Do not forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. I mean, this is marital language here. This is this is intimacy, not to forsake her, to embrace her, uh, to love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, <laughs> okay? Step one, and that's the thing. See, remember we saw that the wise man is teachable to, to get more? The wise man is hungry to acquire wisdom. The wise man wants more. The problem is we, pride steps in and, and we get to a point, humans get to a point, fallen angels reach a point, they think that's enough. They, they, they know more, they, they know better. They stop learning. And the moment that happens, they've just departed from the path of righteousness, just departed from the path of wisdom. So the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. Step one, acquire wisdom. Step two, with all you're acquiring, get understanding. This is again the tabuna, the bean. And so we have knowledge, knowledge becomes wisdom, wisdom becomes understanding, and then knowledge is easy. 
to the one who has understanding. See the progression? So I drew it out this way. I drew it out with the, with the arrows. Start with the fear of the Lord. Acquire wisdom. With your wisdom, acquire understanding. With, uh, and then, as Proverbs 14, 6 says, with under, the, to the man of understanding, knowledge comes easy. Knowledge comes easy. You're already on that track. You're living it. You're living it. So knowledge will come easy. And, and in, in, in some ways, you think about how um, when we're not conformed to this age, when we're transformed by the Word of God, when we're being molded into the image of Christ, when our thinking is, is adjusted to His thinking, think how knowledge comes easy at that point. Now you're faced with a test. Now you're faced with, a, with an application. And uh, somebody says, well, um, you know, do you think I should uh, take this job? And you go, oh, no, this is easy. No, you don't want any part of that. Okay? And it just, it just clicks and it comes to you. Why? Well, because you have fear of the Lord, you have wisdom, you have understanding. You, this, uh, your, your thinking is, is lined up with God's thinking and you're like, it's a no-brainer. Okay? It's a no-brainer. Whatever else that, the case may be. And so we see it there. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Remember, like we said, this is, this is intimate. And I think that's uh, not an accident, <laughs> okay? This, uh, because God warns uh, hugging the right wisdom and not hugging the wrong kind of wisdom. Hugging the right kind of woman, not hugging the wrong kind of woman. All right, that, that uh, a misplaced intimacy gets you in trouble. And it's the same thing here with God's wisdom. So uh, she will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Hear my son and accept my sayings. The years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. If a parent has done their job, then they're not afraid of what the kid's going to do when he leaves home. Okay? I've grounded you in wisdom. You know how to live the Word of God. You know where the, where the answers are. And, uh, and there it is. All right. Um, there's more there. Much in, in chapter 4, I think, addresses this. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. If you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. All right. And so uh, there's that. Moving on to verses 7, 8, and 9. Let's get our first glimpse at 7, 8, and 9. Proverbs 14, 7, 8, and 9. And I believe I do not have slides. I do not have slides for 7, 8, and 9. So let me just tease you with what we'll deal with next week. Um, we have a trinity of verses here that all uh, re- uh, reference the fool. Okay, in verse seven, it's leave the presence of a fool. In verse eight, it's the foolishness of fools. In verse nine, it's fools mocking at sin. Okay, so there's three verses right there, and you realize, wow, that's a crowd I don't want to be a part of. Okay, that is not good, and that's why we're told right off the bat in verse seven, get out of there, leave the presence of a fool. What are you doing here? Okay, and. Uh, um, you realize the damage that's done. You realize that when you remain in proximity, you realize the influence that that's going to rub off on you. What are you doing here? 
Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge. Uh, that, that imperative to leave, that command to leave, is the first command we have since we left chapter 9. It's the first imperative in, the, uh, in this section of Proverbs. In the parental wisdom section, there's all kinds of commands. The mother and father are barking orders left and right to the, to the young man, okay? Listen to me, listen to your mom, don't do this, don't do that, okay? Orders all over the place in chapters 1 through 9, the parental wisdom section. We get to chapters 10 through 24, now we're in adult capacity. Now we are in personal and public wisdom. Now we have um, an adult son that's in his own generation that's that's, uh, living out of a life of wisdom. And, uh, And so we don't have nearly the number of imperatives that we have in the first part of the book. But we do still have imperatives, okay? And so even as an adult, is there a time and is there a place that someone's going to come along and give you an order? Okay? Is there going to be a brother in Christ that's going to come along and give you an order? Is there going to be a pastor that's going to come along and give you an order? Okay? So just because you're an adult doesn't mean you're, you're through, you're never going to receive orders ever again. Alright? There, there will still be orders on occasion and uh, this is one such occasion when the Scripture is telling this guy, get out of there leave the presence of a fool. Or you will not discern words of knowledge. Now when we talk about obstacles, natural mindedness and carnal mindedness or hindrances to apprehending God's wisdom, I think with this verse we can add another category. We can add another category of something that will, that will be a hindrance to apprehending God's wisdom. And these are the attitudinal um, things that rub off. Being in the presence of a fool. Having some of those uh, ideas, thoughts, the things they say, the, 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 uh, the, the things they do, the, uh, the attitudes they communicate and express. At some point, how does that absorb, how does that cross into your way of thinking whereby now even now you're starting to, to have a, a barrier to discerning words of knowledge. Okay? It becomes, it becomes a barrier. It, becomes a, it hinders your discernment. It hinders your discernment. So um, maybe, maybe just from the, the standpoint of not wanting to hear it. Okay? Not wanting to hear it because you know what it's going to say and you just uh, you don't want to listen to it. Okay? You know, and you think about it, um, think about in a, in a romantic entanglement, think about uh, a girl that's involved with a boy and, and he's, he's not given divine wisdom, okay? And she knows what the Bible does say, but she doesn't want to hear it. Not now, because she's in love or because whatever. That proximity is a problem. And it says here, you will not discern words of knowledge until you just get out of there. Leave. Leave the presence, the face of, the presence of. Okay? There's a point. You've got to come out from among them and be ye separate. Right? And we know there's other, there are other passages where I can be a witness to them. I can, I can, but that's, that's not what we're dealing with here. Here the proximity is a problem and I've got to go away. Somebody else can be the witness. I can't be this witness. Not here, not now. 
This is damaging me. This is harmful to me. I got to get out of here. I'll pray for him, pray for him from a distance. Pray that God will send somebody else to them to be that witness and testimony because right now it's not me. Right now the defilement is damaging me. All right. So that's, uh, we deal with that there. And then it says, the wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of fools is deceit. And so uh, the contrast there again, the wisdom and the fool, the uh, knowing where you're going and why, or just lying to yourself and being fine with it. <laughs> okay, The foolishness of fools is deceit. And, and you know, they don't even care because they're just having fun and whatever. And uh, there it is. Fools mock at sin. Isn't this great? And there's consequences for what they do. They think that's great too. It's just, it's just funny. Isn't that great? That's hilarious. And they're just mocking at it. But among the upright there is goodwill. So we'll tackle that. There's uh, a trinity of, of uh, verses there related to the fool. Um, any questions? We're six minutes early, but any questions? Yes, sir. No, no. That's wisdom. Putting into practice and getting it is wisdom. So, so knowledge is the information. I know what it is. I know what God says. I know what it is. That's gnosis. That's knowledge. And then wisdom takes that knowledge and puts it to use. Lives it out. Living out that wisdom. It's shaping your decisions. It's shaping how you think. It's shaping what you do and how you do it. That's wisdom. Understanding is a step even beyond wisdom. Okay? Understanding is, I think it's the fullness of it. I think understanding is the fullness of knowledge with wisdom lived out. Understanding is, is the totality of, of how does it fit together with everything else? How does this glorify Jesus Christ? How does this, uh, where does this fit in the plan of God? What is the, what is the, uh, the outcome of this? And, and uh, so understanding is, is like alpha to omega big picture on my life of wisdom. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, understanding is neat. And understanding is, is uh, it's like the, it is, it is the final step because to the man who has understanding, <laughs> and knowledge is easy. Okay, at that point. So we all want to get there. We all want to get there. That's a great question. And I didn't put the vocabulary down. Bean is the verb, B-I-Y-N, to understand uh, buna or tabuna with the T in front of it are your nouns. And well, uh, uh, you probably have, in fact, I know you do. We, a long time ago, we, when we introduced Proverbs, gave you a vocabulary listing for the expressions, the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding expressions of Proverbs. So it would be in those notes. Okay. All right, Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for this day. Father, um, I thank you for the fear of the Lord, for knowledge, for wisdom, for understanding. Father, I thank you that all of this is by your design and your son is our prime uh, example, Father. And he is the one we emulate. He's the one that grew and uh, in, in grace and knowledge. He grew in grace and stature, both in the sight of man and the sight of God. And, and I pray that we might uh, copy that growth, that we would be renewed in the spirit of our minds and, not be, and be transformed, Father, so that we're not conformed to this age. And uh, Father, thank you for the, the passages that warn us of this in Proverbs, in uh, Romans, in Corinthians. 
um, throughout the, the whole body of Scripture, Father. We want to know you more so we can, uh, we can know your thinking and live it out to the glory of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, and I praise you in, uh, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.